From high atop Rocky Road in Moab, Utah, it's KZMU News. I'm Molly Marcello. It's Friday, April 15th. For the past three decades, KZMU, this wild and woolly radio station in the desert, has provided the soundtrack to the Moab experience. The station has also kept listeners informed and fostered connections to community. There are so, so, so many people who have helped the station grow, create, change, and thrive, like each person listening right now. So on the first day of our spring radiothon, we check in with Executive Director Sarah Mead. We'll hear from her about celebrating 30 years of KZMU and how to vision for the next three decades. It feels like this has been a tradition for us every radiothon to have you on the newscast to do kind of like a state of the station to check in and see, you know, what KZMU is up to. This is our 30th year. This is spring radiothon. What are you thinking about as we enter the first day of radiothon? I'm thinking about a lot. This is always a time of chaos up here, the first day of Radiothon. Everybody's energy is turned up to 11 um, in the most wonderful way. But I'm thinking a lot about how the station has grown just in the last year, since the last time we did this, spring 2021. Mm. Um, I think at that time, we were anticipating a little bit of growth at the station. We were anticipating maybe being able to hire Mm -hmm. a a news reporter. Um, And we were anticipating being able to sort of come out of the pandemic or be sort of on the tail end of the pandemic in a way that was more opened up and Mm -hmm. maybe bringing back some events and things like that. But Mm -hmm. there was still a lot of uncertainty. Right. And this spring, I feel like we're in a totally um, new world again. You know, time is... (laughs) What is time? It's like an accordion in my mind. Sometimes it feels really long. Sometimes it feels super short. Yeah. You know, because we're both part of the radio station Uh and we sort of think in these like six month blocks that that sort of are bookended by radiothons, our sense of time is like slightly off. (laughs) Right. Sure. But it is important to look back at the whole year, you know, like since the last time that I was on here doing a state of the station, we had um, a board retreat over the fall that that was amazing. And mm-hmm. we have an incredible board um, that are all working together to create solutions for diversifying our funding stream and for um, looking at ways to grow the station. I know I say that a lot. We're always talking about growth, but there's a reason. I mean, yeah. we are constantly growing. And every time we do one micro spur of the moment project, Mm -hmm. like lift up, for example, that we did in the summertime, then that inspires or triggers a need for doing more of that thing, because it's well received, Mm -hmm. it's needed, and it helps fulfill our mission of lifting up more voices in our community. Mm -hmm. That's using Lift Up as one example. This is happening in almost every department here at the station. We finally got an actual donor management system, for example. (laughs) Yeah, we've been using some clunky hybrid of QuickBooks and Excel for Mm -hmm. the last 30 years. Wow. And just two months ago, we started using uh, donor management software mm-hmm. that we're going to um, sort of debut for Radiothon. Mm-hmm. So so watch out, donors. Watch you're g- out. you're going to be very impressed. You are going to be so <laughs> impressed. Um, but, you know, so that's happening sort of on, on the admin level. Mm-hmm. Um, we also started working with a new engineer out of Centennial, Colorado, who has gotten us up to snuff on all things emergency alert system. Mm-hmm. We now monitor 
NOAA's emergency weather alerts, Mm -hmm. and we're working on upgrading our whole situation on the Bald Mesa Tower site, which is Mm. sort of at the base of the LaSalle's. That's where the tower that that is responsible for the 90.1 signal lives. So that problem is actively being worked on. It is actively being worked on, but we are at the mercy of Mother Nature. Um, Either it's too snowy or too muddy to Mm -hmm. access for this entire shoulder season. (laughs) Um, I mean, last time we were able to get up there, Mm -hmm. it required two adults, well, three three grown men, a truck, a trailer, a snowmobile, and an ATV with chains. Wow. And we finally made it up there Mm -hmm. only to discover what the problem was, but realize that we didn't have the tools or the equipment to fix it. So not only are we hoping to manage that one problem, but we're also going to do a complete, you know, state of the equipment rundown and see what needs to be upgraded, what can be swapped out. Mm -hmm. We're hoping to get equipment that can be not only remotely accessed, but remotely monitored. Right. So we can check in from down here mm. and be able to make any changes or restarts without having to involve you know, three different vehicles and two other humans. So you're talking about all these projects that we're working on. Mm-hmm. This Radiothon, we want to raise $40,000. Yes. And it's related to equipment and capacity. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Usually we raise... We try to raise, our goal is $35,000, and mm-hmm. that's about what it takes to get us through six months, in addition to our underwriters and grants. Right. Because of this major equipment you know, rundown that we're doing, um, we, we need we need to raise more money. The other thing that we're trying to do in terms of growing capacity is for years we've been talking about youth programs and we do a lot with a little in terms of youth programs. We have an amazing Shine Time program. Mm -hmm. We were able to keep Word of the Day going throughout the pandemic, um, remotely recording them via Zoom and Mm -hmm. then also bringing them back into the studio this year. That was thrilling, Uh, not just for the kids, but for me (laughs) to have actual human kids up in the booth with us and that immediately turned around and yielded like six new 10 year old DJs up here so it's amazing (laughs) but um, we want to do more with youth programs we recognize Mm -hmm. that Moab has kind of a dearth of options for young people you know we have some incredible after school and summer camp spring break programs offered by other um, partner nonprofits in town but in terms of, you know, like an annual year-round alternative mm-hmm. for young kids and older kids, youth that are almost about to graduate, we feel that it would be an amazing service to be able to offer, you know, radio um, internships mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. kind of radio club a la Spy Hop, you know, podcasting um, instruction and studio time for youth. And we also really want to bring back our Youth Rock Camp, which is a spring break camp for kids as well. But those are all things that are impossible to manage when it's just us mm-hmm. small five-person staff. So we're yeah. hoping to get an AmeriCorps position. And this little extra that we're asking for would directly support that AmeriCorps position. And the application is in the works and it's looking good so far. It's so interesting, you know, being at KZMU for, I think I've been here for four years now yeah. mm-hmm. in my staff position, yep. DJ before that, volunteer before that. Yep. But it's really interesting to see, like, we can identify a need and we want to get there. Yes. <laughs> um, it's just about, like, 
outlining that path, a lot of times it just means, you know, time and, and resources in yeah. another in another body, right? Exactly. And what's interesting <laughs> about where we're at right now is, you know, leading up to this point that that more that growth mm-hmm. was looking like we need to we need to focus on paying our staff you know living wages mm-hmm. and we're still working towards that we're yeah. still not at a place that i feel mm-hmm. super comfortable with but we're better and now it's looking like we need more people. We need to provide opportunities for people to grow their professional skills and Mm -hmm. then also help serve this greater community that we're trying to reach. But what's ironic about that is as we get more people, (laughs) like our physical (laughs) station is not big enough. Right. So we're also trying to think creatively about how we can all physically be in the station and what does that look like? What does it look like for KZMU's future if we were to have a staff that's bigger than five people. I mean, I could move into the shed if you, you could. needed me to. Just you could put be a swamp in... cooler in there. Mm-hmm. You could be in one <laughs> so... shed. I'll be in the other. Right. We'll get walkie talkies. <laughs> very efficient. Right. <laughs> no, but our, our board, you know, this is very, very much in its beginning stages, but we are, you know, dreaming of what would it look like if there was, you know, a second studio or mm-hmm. some kind of a better downtown presence, if we were mm-hmm. able to, you know, connect with the community more directly. We rolled out a survey, a listener feedback survey, and one of of the most common pieces of feedback in terms of what could KZMU be doing that we're not already doing is more diversity and more community engagement. So even though, you know, we have more than 80 volunteer DJs that Mm -hmm. come up here, um, we're still kind of apart from the community in a lot of ways. You know, we are not a tangible thing. We're Mm -hmm. the airwaves. Um, And so I'm looking at ways that we can be more accessible and more inclusive um, with the community and what that looks like. And we'll put a link to the survey in the show notes. Thank you. Anyone listening, um, we would so appreciate the feedback. You know, this is really important for Mm -hmm. everybody here at the station. And will directly influence some kind of big decisions that we're going to be making in in the Mm -hmm. near future. Now, you've talked about this a lot on air, but again, KZMU is in the 30th year. Yes. We're, um, let me see if I can get this right. We're honoring the past. Mm-hmm. remarking on the present <laughs> envisioning for the future. I know I got that wrong. <laughs> Pretty close. Okay. Yeah. Let's see. Honoring the past and uh, celebrating the uh, present okay. and dreaming of the future. Okay. I mean, I feel like we've celebrated, we celebrated our birthday on oh April gosh. 2nd in a mm-hmm. fun party mm-hmm. outside at the Mark. Um, we had the first ever radio play festival. Mm-hmm. Um, any more highlights from this 30th year so far? Um, so far, so major things happening there. We're right. also this week going to debut the first archival piece. We we hired Christy Williams Dunton to be our resident archivist yeah. for the 30th year. So Christy's been scrubbing through old tape and ephemera to um, kind of create an online archive and also pieces for broadcast. So during Radiothon, you will hear the very first one, which is done with the infamous Bruce Hesher, mm-hmm. who hosted Teenage Wasteland. And 
was also responsible for all kinds of KZMU artwork. So that's something to look forward to. In July, we're going to have a, um, I'm calling it the Flanders Field Day. It is a golf tournament fundraiser Mm -hmm. um, that's being organized by KZMU's own Richard Codd of Art Talks, plus our wonderful neighbor, Colleen Beaver. And so there's going to be all kinds of shenanigans going on with that. Look forward (laughs) to it. We're also still going to partner with the Moab Folk Festival or Friends of the Folk Festival Mm -hmm. for the free concert series, whose lineup is amazing. So we'll be out and about with that. We're also partnering with Science Moab to kick off their Science Moab on Tap in the fall um, with a KZMU-themed Science Moab on Tap all about the science of sound. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot happening this year um, Mm -hmm. to celebrate KZMU's 30th and also to help us kind of like ring in the following 30 years in a state of abundance Mm -hmm. rather than a state of like, okay, we we just made it. Right. We can do it for one more year. Right. You yeah. Know, we want to sort of shift the narrative to like, mm-hmm. all right, we're looking out 30 years. What is mm-hmm. what is the station going to be and how are we going to stay relevant mm-hmm. in a community that has such rapidly changing needs and residents and everything? Thank you so much, Sarah. Is there anything else that you feel is pertinent to mention as we embark on this spring radiothon or continue to celebrate 30 years of KZMU? Yeah, I spent a lot of time talking about our big dreams and goals from kind of like the the executive director standpoint. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the the key thing that always makes our radiothons so special is the DJs and the shows mm-hmm. that they put on. So I would just encourage you, dear KZMU News listener, <laughs> to make a little extra effort to tune in, you know, maybe more than you usually do during Radiothon. Mm-hmm. Not just so that you can hear us encourage you to give more, but because our DJs always really put a ton of effort mm-hmm. into their Radiothon shows. And they are, like singularly special. Some of our best programming happens during Radiothon and some of the most compliments I ever receive about our programming is from people who listen during Radiothon. Mm -hmm. So be sure to tune in and and show some love to our amazing volunteers. That's KZMU's Executive Director, Sarah Mead. It's the first day of our spring Radiothon. We're celebrating 30 years of grassroots, independent, wild and woolly radio in the desert. There are plenty of ways to continue supporting your community radio station. Find links in the show notes of today's news. Now we head to the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest stories of the Moab area. There are a few recent staffing changes at City Hall. Sophia Fisher with The Times Independent explains. The city of Moab just hired a new chief of police, uh, Captain Jared Garcia. He is currently working for the Utah Highway Patrol. Yeah, he's going to start on May 9th, um, and this is very exciting. Um, as, as listeners probably know, the last chief of police, Brett Edge, did leave in what could be called a cloud of controversy, perhaps. He'd been on leave for several months, pending several investigations. His staff's interactions with Gabby Petito and Brian Laundrie mm-hmm. last summer, as well as several investigations into body cam usage that have plagued the department for a few years now. Yeah, if anyone is interested, the Times Independent has a lot of coverage on all those various issues over the last eight or so months. 
Yes. So we're very excited to have Captain Garcia on board and, and Moab City Manager Carly Castle spoke very highly of him and said she was excited for him to you know join the force. And he served in a variety of roles already with the Utah Highway Patrol, as well as the State Bureau of Investigation. What did he have to say? You know, I know that Moab City put out this press release and he made a couple comments. Anything of note there? Um, he just said he was excited to start and to be able to provide, um, you know, public safety for all residents of Moab. So in addition to a new chief of police, we have a new but not so new um, city manager. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Carly Castle, after acting as acting city manager for close to eight or nine months at this point, has formally been promoted into the role, uh, which is very exciting. She also took over in somewhat of a tumultuous and chaotic time for the city um, after a raft of departures, including the former city manager, Joel Linares, the city attorney, Lori Simonson. Mm -hmm. So she has been credited as providing a guiding and steady hand um, to the city workforce, you know, throughout this time. Um, And yeah, everybody expressed excitement about her as well. And clearly is very knowledgeable already about the role, having acted in it for, you know, close to three quarters of a year at this point. And I think the I think Mayor Joette Langionese said they'd received like 50 applications. And of those 50, like three were only three were even somewhat qualified. So it sounds like Castle was really probably head and shoulders above almost all the other applicants. So there's another city related article in The Times Independent, though, about workforce housing. Absolutely. Um, As I'm sure many listeners know, there has been a workforce housing ordinance in the works for about six months at this point. Um, And this ordinance would require 42.5% of new units of housing built in two city zones, the multifamily zone and the manufactured housing zone, to be deed restricted for active actively employed workforce housing. Mm-hmm. So it's not a restriction on who owns the units. It's not a restriction on how much they could be sold for. It's a restriction on the fact that whoever occupies those units, their household must be considered actively employed in or near Grand County. And there was a lot of hubbub about this ordinance just a few weeks ago. Uh, it was in its final stages. It had been passed, I think, five to one by the Moab City Planning Commission. And then on March 31st, the uh, city council held a special meeting to discuss this ordinance mm-hmm. and actually voted to table it mm. due to 11th hour legal threats and pushback from the state legislature, um, as well as property rights groups and realtors. Okay. And this was kind of a blow, obviously, because, you know, they've been working on this for the past six months, as you just explained. They, you know, were trying to get it um, done by a certain deadline, and now they are stalled out. Um, so what's happening now with it? Yeah, so actually, I mean, I spoke with City Councilor Luke Wojciechowski, as well as uh, Moab Mayor Joette Langianese and the head of the Planning Commission, Kaya Marienfeld, and all of them expressed a lot of optimism mm-hmm. they, uh, about this ordinance. They said, you know, it's Luke said it was probably 90% done in his estimation, but now it's just a matter of convening those groups that were concerned about this ordinance, getting their feedback, making alterations to make the ordinance, you know, sufficiently palatable or financially feasible mm-hmm. to developers, which were some of the broader concerns and then getting it passed. So they all said they're they're committed to getting this thing passed as soon as they can. And apologies if you already said this, but um, the ordinance as it was written in the draft, remind me the percentage because there was a funny percentage 
of units that would have to be for workforce housing in the R3 and R4. Yeah, so it's 42.5. Um, and that number, yeah, I think there's a lot of confusion around that number. Mm-hmm. The city had first kind of arbitrarily thrown out this 33% just when they were in the early stages of drafting that ordinance. Mm-hmm. And that was totally arbitrary, just an example. Mm-hmm. But they actually then hired this consultant, BAE Urban Economics, which they've used several times before. And I, I believe the county's actually using now mm-hmm. as well to do a complex study of the existing units in the valley, the the build-out capacity, so how many more units could be put into play, growth expectations, needs of the workforce, et cetera, to try to come up with a percentage that would um, address the workforce housing shortage in the city and the county. So this number is what's called, I think, legally defensible, which was very important for the ordinance, Mm -hmm. that they have some number that they can point to several reasons behind it and say, this is why we chose this number. It's not just, you know, a number we pulled out of the hat. Right. Okay. There's some evidence and some data and research behind it. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So this is ongoing. Negotiations are ongoing on this workforce housing ordinance with Moab City. Anything else that you think is pertinent to highlight from the Times Independence coverage? I mean, we're going to be, you know, putting out more articles about this in coming weeks. So keep an eye on that. I think there was some frustration I heard from city officials about the last minute nature of this pushback. I mean, they were Mm. citing the outreach that they've tried to do and mm-hmm. they didn't hear from they heard from very very few people up until one to two days before the city council right. meeting which was very frustrating um, but at the same time Luke Wachowski did say you know there is always more that can be done so he acknowledged mm-hmm. that Sophia Fisher staff writer at the Times Independent subscription info and more stories can be found at moabtimes.com Moab's back of beyond bookstore will soon have a new owner Allison Hartford with the Moab Sun News has more from their coverage. So Back of Beyond has been for sale for a while. The previous owner, Andy, is trying to do other things with his life and find a new owner. And so he's been looking for a really long time. And Andy just sold the bookstore to the former Moab City manager, David Everett. So Everett moved away from Moab, but um, he's coming back. And the Sale is expected to be closed in May, and that's when Everett is planning on taking over operations. And so it's a pretty big deal because Back of Beyond is so beloved, and there's this very specific vibe. And when you walk in there, because of all of its history and yeah. all of the love that Andy's poured into it, he said he's really confident that Everett can continue that legacy. You know, Andy is a longtime volunteer at KZMU, mm-hmm. and I know this is his, I don't want to say baby, but maybe it is his baby, and he mm-hmm. wanted to make sure it was going to be in good hands um, right. for the community and to have an independent bookstore in um, Moab, but also that serves our region is a really big deal. So I know he was looking for the right type of person Mm -hmm. um, to carry on that sort of legacy. Yeah. Yeah. Everett has a lot of experience in this region. Like he was the Moab city manager. Um, He also worked at the Youth Garden Project and Canelands Field Institute. And he said that this is the landscape that he's always felt the most at home in. And he said that the bookstore is a great way to be able to come back to Moab. And he said he turns 50 this year and it's time to seek a little bit of a different balance in life. All right. Going into <laughs> that 50th year here in Moab. That's exciting. And there's more in the Moab Sun News. Where do you want to take us next, Allie? Um, yeah. So there are a couple staffing changes in City Hall. Um, Carly Castle, who's been serving as the acting city manager since uh, last September, will be um, Moab's new city manager. Joette, our mayor, was saying that her most important role in the city is to pick a new city manager. And mm-hmm. she's really confident in Carly's ability to 
do that. Carly's been acting city manager for a while mm-hmm. and basically like all the city council members were saying that she's been doing a really good job mm-hmm. and they're really confident that she's going to be able to unite the city staff, um, especially yeah. following all the like tumultuous staffing changes last summer. There were a lot, you know, and people were exiting the city mm-hmm. um, and, you know, on leave. And um, now it, it seemed like from that meeting that city councilors were attributing Carly's leadership to bringing about their confidence, I guess, at right. City Hall. Yeah. So the motion to um, have her be city manager passed unanimously. But speaking of, you know, staffing changes, there is a staffing loss right. in the city amidst the staffing gain of Carly as, as uh, city manager. Yeah. So Mila Dunbar-Irwin, who has been the sustainability director um, since last April, resigned her position and finished her last day on April 12th. Um, and she said that she made the decision to leave the city due to personal circumstances, housing challenges, and a desire for flexibility. Um, and so she said she's already talked with two promising local candidates for the sustainability director role. She's really confident that the things that she started, like she's been continuing this dark skies mm-hmm. ordinance stuff. And then also she's been creating a sustainability master plan. Um, she said she's confident that the next people will be able to continue those projects. And then she's moving on to work as a project manager for an engineering firm. Okay. So the city is going to hire another sustainability director to fill her shoes then. Right. Well, moving on, there's <laughs> another story in the Moves and News that I'm hoping you can highlight. It's about a horse. Um, please tell us about this. Yeah, so a handful of you might have seen on Facebook that the Moab Veterinary Clinic is taking care of this three-week-old foal that they've named Adeline. Um So two weeks ago, the clinic was called about this horse um, with significant damage to her front leg, Mm. and they suspected that the horse had been hit by a car. And so when doctors from the clinic arrived, they couldn't find the horse's owner or mother. They only found this horse. And so Dr. Alexis Johnson, um, when she met the horse, despite the damage to the horse's leg, which Mm -hmm. is significant for a horse, Mm -hmm. um, her first thought was that she was really excited to be working with a horse. So I went to the clinic um, and I met her and I met Adeline and Dr. Johnson is just fantastic. Like she's, she really loves animals and she's really passionate about her work in the clinic. And she said that she expects Adeline to recover, um, which is great because her injuries are pretty bad. And Mm. also the clinic has never seen injuries like this before. And so Dr. Johnson is researching like what other vets have done for injuries like this. And she's also been talking to human doctors Mm. about what you can do with nerve damage Mm -hmm. and broken legs. Yeah, I'm curious because, you know, what made Dr. Johnson and the clinic feel like they could do something for the horse? Having a broken leg or having the severe injuries that this horse has Mm -hmm. um, usually means that, you know, that's that's it for, you know, this animal. Yeah, I asked that too. Mm -hmm. And um, the clinic said that they just have a really hard time saying no to anything. Mm -hmm. And so they have this fund that they call the Sad Animal Fund. Um, And that's what they're using to fund Adeline's treatment. And Mm -hmm. also Dr. Johnson is funding her treatment partially through her own savings. Mm -hmm. Um, She plans to keep Adeline like as a pet. And so the clinic takes in these animals that aren't technically pets. They're literally just animals that are found Mm -hmm. um, and have no one else to help them. And so in addition to treating people's pets, 
the clinic is also treating these teeny tiny kittens that are suspected to have been born prematurely because their heads are like about the size of half of an index finger. Wow. So they're teensy tiny and they also have a great Pyrenees who was found on the side of the road with a displaced hip. And these are animals that they're just treating and like the vets themselves will take them in as pets. It's definitely a job that you have to be passionate about animals. Right. Yeah. And so they're kind of struggling right now because there's actually a nationwide shortage of Mm -hmm. skilled vets there are just less people going into the profession and also throughout the pandemic a lot more people were adopting pets Mm -hmm. and so mars veterinary health which is a nationwide veterinary organization launched this study that found that by 2030 there's an expected nationwide shortage of 15,000 veterinarians and so the moab vet clinic is feeling that because they're trying to hire another vet right now but they're having a lot of trouble because um There aren't a lot of veterinarians in the Mm -hmm. world. And also, if you are a veterinarian, you can afford to be picky right now. And Mm. not a lot of people want to pick working for this rural clinic that can't offer as much pay and as Mm -hmm. much work-life balance as other ones can. And so Dr. Johnson was saying that she tries to balance the clinic's costs with what she knows people in Moab can afford, Mm -hmm. um, which is still really hard because... She said that a lot of visiting tourists think that the clinic's costs are pretty cheap, but those same prices will sometimes drive the locals away Mm -hmm. because they also see animals from Blanding and Monticello and Green River. The clinic is facing a lot of challenges, Mm -hmm. but despite those, they're all like everyone who works there is really passionate about animals and they keep taking in these, you know, sad animals. Thanks for that overview of the clinic and what they do. You know, Mm -hmm. you got to see some of the sad animals, specifically the horse. So, you know, what was that experience like for you? I also love animals. Mm -hmm. It was very sweet. Um, And I think it's amazing that the clinic is doing this and helping. Um, Anything else to mention about Adeline the horse um, or um, the vet clinic? Yeah, so there is um, a silver lining. Mm -hmm. Dr. Johnson is really excited about the potential growth of the clinic. Um, She is hopeful that they can find another vet. And then she was also saying that they've acquired new technical equipment, including an endoscope, which is a machine that allows vets to perform minimally invasive procedures to like look within an organ or a body cavity. And um, Johnson was saying she recently used it to help remove a toy from Bearded Dragon. Um, And she's really excited to see what else she can do with it. And the clinic is also trying to expand into another building. um, And they want to be able to provide more employee housing for their employees. Mm -hmm. So despite the challenges, they're really hopeful for the growth of the clinic. And also they expect Adeline to make a full recovery eventually. Allison Hartford, staff reporter at the Moab Sun News. Subscription info and more stories can be found at moabsunnews.com. And that's it for the weekly newsreel, where we check in with reporters on their latest coverage of the Moab area. You can find the pieces that were mentioned today in the show notes of KZMU News on our website and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for tuning in and supporting KZMU, community-powered radio.